Welcome to Simon Says Educate. I'm Simon, your AI host, and I'm here to guide you through the exciting world of teaching and learning at Clover Park Technical College. Together with my human co-hosts, we'll explore the latest trends and best practices in education, bringing you a fresh and engaging perspective on what's happening in classrooms and beyond. Each week, we'll dive deep into the issues that matter most to our community, interviewing faculty members, students, and other thought leaders in the field. We'll discuss everything from the newest teaching strategies and classroom technologies, to the challenges and opportunities of online learning, and the impact of education on students' lives and careers. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired and informed as we embark on this educational journey together. Welcome to Simon Says Educate. Hello everyone and welcome back to Simon Says Educate. This is Ronald Lethko from the Teaching and Learning Center at Clover Park Technical College. And today we are joined by a very special guest. This person I've known for quite a while. He's a senior university lecturer in the Learning Design and Technology Program at San Diego State University. And he's also working as a curriculum designer for the Scientific Research Corporation Everyone, please welcome to the podcast, Kevin Storm Jorgensen. Hello, everybody. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing well. I'm doing really great. This is where I work here in the digital world. And so this is really what most people know me as, as uh, as an avatar nowadays. So for the people who can't see Kevin right now, I am looking at him and I'm actually not even looking at his real face. I'm looking at a digital avatar version of himself. He has informed me that he is connected through a MetaQuest and he's using a virtual camera. It's Yes, it's a virtual camera through a program called Immersed. And so, yeah, I'm on a MetaQuest headset and connected to my computer. And so I have my computer up here in front of me and able to connect with you over that and then use my virtual webcam to show my VR avatar here. And that's how I take most of my meetings now. That's so cool. And my connection with Kevin goes back to when I was getting my master's degree from San Diego State University in the learning design and technology program. He was in my cohort and we studied all the things that we need to know and that we use in our day-to-day jobs currently in that program. And it seems that we've taken different paths. We're, we're both working in higher education, but you're actually back at the college teaching in the program that we were learning from. Yes, yes, absolutely correct. After graduating, I went off and did some some work in the in the corporate world, but was asked to come back since I live in San Diego and I maintained pretty close contact with the uh, the other faculty at San Diego State. I was asked to come back a couple times to just talk about multimedia production with the students, and then they needed an extra lecturer for a class, so I took over one class. One class became two. Two became. Four now I'm teaching about uh, yeah, I think five classes a year and yeah it's it's fantastic uh, as well uh, that's my actual my e- evening job but I still do corporate training during the daytime and that's actually why I brought you on the podcast today to talk about um, because there are a lot of different trends and new things happening in this world of ed tech so I'm curious. How do you perceive this current state of AI in education technology, uh, the use of AR, VR, and all that kind of stuff, especially as we head into 2024? 
It, it's extremely dynamic right now. The moods, emotions, the insights, they're all over the place. We've got people in academia, but also the corporate world that in the L&D environment that are both excited, but also scared and skeptical uh, about everything that's going on. We've got um, people that are just learning the basics of uh, what all these technologies can offer. And there's other people that are innovating and creating fantastic new applications and programs. And it's it's a strange, very dynamic mix that, you know, whenever I have a conversation with somebody, it's really difficult to tell where they are at in comfort level and experience level with any one of these technologies. And so it's become very difficult to just have some straightforward conversations with people. When you first meet someone, uh, after you get to know someone, you realize, okay, this is where we're kind of on terms this way, and here's where we can teach each other certain things about these technologies, and then it makes it a little easier. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting time right now. Uh, very exciting. Yeah. And it's so funny that you bring that up because my team, the the teaching and learning center at Culver Park, we're really into looking into whatever the, the forefront is of education technology. And, you know, AI was, was so monumental last year. And it seems like it's, that was just the start. It seems like now it's kind of commonplace. But we went to an AI conference over the summer in Orlando and, you know, we were all around it and, you know, I use ChatGPT every day and then I talk to somebody and I'll say, oh, just throw it into ChatGPT and see what it thinks. And they say, what is ChatGPT? And I go, I like have to really like stop in my tracks and be like, you're not like aware of this like huge fundamental shift that's occurring in society. And so, yeah, to what you were saying about how some people are really into it and something that they do every day. There's also some people that are just completely tuned out to it. So I think, yeah, trying to find that balance and see, you know, what, what we can do and how we can bring awareness to it in our capacities, I think is, is something that is important for our position. There's this other group of people too, where there's all these different groups of people that all think that they're like, there's so many different uh, AI tools out there and somebody will hear about one and they think that one is the most popular one out there and talk to other people as if you should automatically know this, you know, just like, you know, you talk to somebody and they're like, oh, you've never heard of ChatGPT. Well, they'll come up with some kind of very fringe AI tools and it got sold to them really well and they think it's everywhere and they'll talk to, I've had people come up to me all the time. It's like, haven't you tried this one? It's the most popular one out there. I'm like, I've never heard of that one. <laughs> it's just so you, many. You don't think it wasn't plans in magic school AI? Yeah. <laughs> there before. Okay. Let's go to the next question here. So from your experience, what are the most significant impacts of AI on teaching and learning? The most significant is the written essay, how AI is changing that sort of assignment. Now, luckily, it doesn't impact a lot of the courses that I teach, per se. I've really embraced AI. But from what I hear all over the place, you know, the essay style questions, but even even just multiple choice test questions and integrity of summative testing is where AI is having the biggest impact or fear, at least amongst educators, because how can you test someone? How could you have somebody write something when they can easily have ChatGPT or a large language model do it for them? And how, how do you verify that the that they fulfill the learning objectives if they're having AI do these things for them? And for classes that are in-person synchronous, you know, teachers may be able to take care of that by having the student in class 
podcasts and and watching them. But for us uh, asynchronous and online educators, uh, where a majority of education is starting to go to, even in the corporate realm, you know, most of my learners for the curriculum I develop, they're all over the world taking these courses asynchronously, and they could easily just go into ChatGPT, put the test questions in, and get an answer. That is changing how educators have to think and design their courses quite drastically. And there's a lot of fear, a lot of fear with that because a lot of teachers, you know, academics, they're very conservative when it comes to their teaching styles and their lesson planning. They don't want to change. That's been working for them for many, many years. They don't want to change and now they have to. Yeah. And that's a really, really fantastic point because you might be comfortable and the way that you've taught in the past might've worked really well. As you're saying, right, if you have a, a, a final exam, you know, that you're you're putting all your weight in on this final exam. And I mean, you know, you can you could always do it in person, but I don't know. I can't remember the last time that I've sat down with, you know, a, a piece of paper and I was writing out the exam questions. Most of the stuff is done in Canvas. Mm-hmm. So how can you pres- how can you prevent someone from just copying, pasting the whole list of questions and then saying, hey, ChatGPT, give me the answers to this question. I'm I'm the professor. Give me the answers to these questions, right? So yeah. uh, those are good points. What are your ideas for modifying, adjusting your assessments for your students? And, and that's that's the that's the big question. I'm still figuring it out. I've got some ideas. I'm trying them out, seeing how well they work. ChatGPT large language models really kicked into gear in spring of last year, the spring semester of 2023, and that's that's when the AIM popular students were actually using them, and we didn't have an opportunity to modify our curriculum to adjust for that at that time. Now, come fall 2023, we were able to start modifying things, but it's all very theoretical. We don't know how, and the tools are changing so drastically, so quickly. We don't know how exactly to modify the curriculum to maximize the learning outcomes, to get those learning outcomes and maintain integrity. What kind of lessons can we do? And that's been my goal is to figure out how to cheat. I'm trying to figure out every single time I start writing a lesson or a course or an assignment, like how does, how can I cheat this? How can I cheat this? And I, I found that I can cheat everything. I'd figure out if you get good enough with using large language models, you can cheat anything. So right now it's just coming down to engagement factor, Um, motivation, being a a teacher that can motivate students to want to learn and not rely upon ChatGPT. So that's where I'm changing the most. I'm trying to get students more interested in the learning process. So yes, they can rely upon the large language models to give them the answer, but uh, if they're motivated, then they want to have that answer in their head uh, by themselves without having to go to ChatGPT. And that's where I think it needs to change. Now, I, I do want to make a clarification. You know, when I say cheat, I kind of use that term just as a shorthand, but I don't truly think that using ChatGPT is cheating because it is a tool that is used in normal productive work now. I've used it in the corporate world quite a bit to expedite my workflows and to just quickly get things out. In an act, if I, if I were to do that exact same thing in the academic environment, somebody could consider that cheating. But that's productivity. That's how it works. So calling it cheating is not fully accurate. It's really a shortcut that that you shouldn't really allow the students to use. 
Uh, it's not really cheating. It's something different. It's a, a bad design by the teacher. Mm. Yeah, I agree that I think that it depends on, you know, the use case and, and how you're, how you're in there working the prompts. But I definitely agree that it is something that in the future, all jobs are going to have some sort of AI. If it's not generative AI, I'm sure there's going to be some other sort of use of AI. If I don't know if you caught anything from CES this year, the Consumer Electronic mm-hmm. Show. The AI was in everything. It's enough. You're kind of doing a disservice to your students by not, at least not addressing it. Like you, you could take that perspective and say like, it's banned in this class. I don't want to talk about it. But then once the students are out of the class and they're out there looking for jobs and their job uh, interviews, they're talking about, oh, you know, what's your experience using AI? And it's like, uh, our instructor banned it. So yeah, no, and audit. And so it's like a little bit of a disservice to them. So that actually goes on to my next question. So how, how do you think educators should approach issues with implementing um, new technologies like generative AI into their curriculum? Uh, well, the first first thing is shorter deadlines for completing work and stick to those deadlines. Because that is the benefit of AI, of, of these tools, is that you as a user of it can generate content very quickly and of high quality. And so if you as an instructor are creating assignments and have a deadline, but then you're like, okay, I'm going to give you some extra time because this was a hard assignment or no, 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 no. Just the, the, the amount of productivity and how quickly assignments and things are due need to shorten now. You need to shorten. You need to get even more done in less amount of time. And so our assignments should reflect that. So so the grading is going to be stricter. You're going to get more assignments to do. And it's going to be generally more work, more more detailed work, too, is going to be required. You know, before you might not have to cite as many references now as having your students use these AI services, then they're going to have to have twice, if not three times as many references and do much more research into these into these projects. So it's just the workload, the criteria of success goes up with how much easier it is to complete. You can't keep it at the same level because they're, it's just, they're going to be wasting time because that's, that's not going to teach them anything because that's how it's going to be in the real world. They're going to need a pretty well, little, you just need to lie it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It, as, as much as you can, I mean, there is fire. That will, that's, that's what's really difficult right now because there's such, as we spoke about earlier, such a huge dynamic range in comfort level and knowledge of these tools. You're going to have some students that are going to be like, yeah, I've been using ChatGPT to write my resumes and do all this stuff for, for, for several months now. I, I can handle it. And you got other students that are like, I have never touched it. Um, I'm not interested and you're forcing me to use it. So the divide between grades with that sort of, of assignments is going to, there's going to be a much greater divide, but that's, that's the place we need to be at. We need to be at where everybody is using this, these tools. You know, it's like everybody's using a, a word processor, you know, back in the day when, when there was people using computers and some people using typewriters to hand in essays. It's the same right. thing. Yeah, it's exactly what I would say. Almost the exact same analogy is what I was trying to think about earlier about how, like, you know, oh, I can, um, I can do this hand drawn, or I can do this painting, or I can just use Photoshop. And now, you know, in an extension of that, now I could just use Mid Journey. And so, like, 
you have to be able to adapt with the skill, you know, whatever the the new tools are. There's still going to be need for hand-drawn stuff. There's still going to be a need for paintings. So I, I don't say, I'm not saying that as in they're going to be uh, totally replaced. There's still people that think about vinyl. Like vinyl is coming back as a preferred method to listen to music when you know, you could just download the MP3 much easier. So yeah. there's a lot to talk about, but I'm just worried about time. So let's finish this one. I want to know uh, for the last question here, what is your visionary take on the future of ed tech this year, 2024 and beyond? My, my vision is that it, uh, there's going to be personalized learning guides or learning tools available to students more and more. Like I'm right now working on GPTs specific to courses. And so, so that not only will a course have a textbook, a canvas page, it'll have a GPT with it. Mm. And that way if, and then it's, and it's programmed with everything in the curriculum and maybe even timed, maybe the GPT is programmed so that it only provides information in a timely fashion, however it wants to be designed. But that's going to be the new realm of designing for instructional content is having an accompanying GPT to go with a course. So that way, if a student has a question, doesn't really understand a lecture presentation and has questions for the instructor, well, they can just go to the GPT and ask those questions and get that answer themselves. Uh, however, there are some problems with that that I've, that I've identified, but I believe that is where it's going to now. Yes, like an ultra personalized learner like assistance almost like a pocket tutor. I like that idea of making the GPTs for each of the courses. I've been trying to make a GPT for our college and like try to put as much information in there about college-wide policies and all the information about the buildings and all that kind of stuff. But I just haven't had the time to like yeah. really get back in there and do that. But I would say that making a GPT for the course, I mean, once you have all the information, you know, like easily copy and pasteable, <laughs> then it shouldn't be that hard to to put a GPT together so that for, for those people that don't know what we're talking about, imagine you have a student that's in your course and he's curious about the policy for eating in class. Now that student can go in, into Canvas and get the syllabus and kind of peruse and look through the syllabus or they can go to the GPT and say, what's the policy on eating in class? And then based on that course that you've you know provided the syllabus and all the information for, it will easily say, there's no eating in class. Yeah. Or, or you can program it to even do it in like a nicer way, like, oh, sorry, you're going to have to eat before you come to class because if you eat in class, it's going to be, you know, like you can you can program it to to have more student-centered and inclusive language. Well, you can even program it to speak as the instructor. I'm, I'm doing that right now. I've cloned my voice and I can now have myself uh, type whatever I want and, it, and have me speak it even in different languages. So the oh. GPT will have that. And so you can type to the GPT and hear your instructor tell you the information and it'll eventually be where you'll even see the instructor because you can create digital AI clones of yourself. Wow. You can have them give you the the week by week outline 
in Japanese. <laughs> yep, exactly. Although I do want to mention, this is the biggest problem that I've found with the current state of GPTs and when it comes to intermingling them with a course. So like what you said, the example you said with, you know, like the syllabus, are you allowed to eat in class? That's fine because you can just go to the GPT, ask a direct question and get a direct answer. But for learning a particular like uh, principle of a class that someone is teaching, you don't want the GPT to spoon feed a student information. You want that GPT to be a guide to lead the learner into the correct answer by using more of a Socratic method, asking questions of the student. And right now, I have not been able to get a GPT to do that correctly. Uh, I have said, no, don't, don't answer the students when they ask a question ask questions that will lead to the answer. And I have not had any success. The GPTs are so fully trained on giving you the answer that you request mm. and not leading you to the answer. So that's a big, big gap, I believe, in the GPT's current state right now that I'm hoping somebody, you know, maybe one of your listeners will take to heart and uh, consider and use because right now it's just spoon feeding us information and not leading us to a greater understanding of the world. You know, we got to give uh, Sal Khan a call because based on his TED talk, that's what his focus was for making those conmigos. So I like that. I like putting it back into the listener's hands. Kevin, I feel like we could talk for another hour. So let's uh, let's wrap it there and, you know, make a, a promise to talk about this more. Maybe in another year we can we can look back and say, oh, yeah, the remember how terrible the GPTs were? When we <laughs> yeah, it won't be a year. It'll it'll be like two to three months. We're going to look back and like, oh, cringe. You know, I, I'm looking back to yeah. months of how I was using ChatGPT. I'm like, how, why was I doing that? No. Yeah. Einstein is always 2020. So anyways, Kevin, is there any other thing that you want to leave the learner with before we end this podcast? Yeah. If, if anybody wants to get in contact with me or follow what I'm doing, I have a YouTube channel that also has on there has a link to my Discord server. And so you're welcome to join that. It's just Kevin Storm Jorgensen on YouTube or Kev Storm J. You can find me and then it'll take you to my Discord server, which is called Storm Learning. And, and I also do vidcasts uh, in VR. So if you have a VR headset and want to join me here in the metaverse, I usually stream from a program called Big Screen VR. And you can join me in there. And I go in there and I do uh, AI generations. I do uh, AI music, AI video content, and just have open discussions with everybody. And it's a lot of fun. So if you're interested, want to find me in the VR world or on YouTube or through my Discord, go ahead and, and, and search me there and and uh, we'll talk. All right. And I've seen your stuff that you've been putting on uh, YouTube and LinkedIn. And it's so cool. It's so cool to see um, people actually in, in VR doing work. And it's not just a gimmick. It's it's like you're actually doing the stuff that everybody is, is thinking about. So Kevin, like I said, it's a pleasure. Thank you again for coming on. And everyone else, thank you all for listening. This has been... Simon says, educate, and we will see you all next time. Have a good night. Thank you. And that wraps up another insightful episode of Simon Says Educate. Thank you for joining us today as we delved into the fascinating world of teaching and learning at Clover Park Technical College. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation and gained valuable insights to inspire your own educational journey. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. 
Remember to join us again next week as we continue to explore innovative strategies and share inspiring stories from the CPTC community. Until then, I'm Simon, your AI host, reminding you to never stop learning and growing. Take care, and see you next time on Simon Says Educate.